The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and the elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there, not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet, and cast him into the darkness outside, where there would be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Yesterday in Assisi, in Italy, uh, a ceremony was held to beatify, to make blessed, uh, a young man. The beatification uh, basically is the last step before, ultimately, canonization, when you're made a saint of the church. Uh, So a miracle has already been attributed to his intercession, and they're waiting the next miracle that would take place will be the one, if, it, if it's verified, um, will be the one to make this individual a saint of the church. His name is Carlo Acutis, an Italian young man. He was born in 1991, a young man, even today, by today, a year that most of us remember. 1991, he died in 2006 at, the year, at 15 years of age from leukemia. He was a young boy of holiness. He was a normal kid by all intents and looking at him. He loved to play soccer. He loved the internet. Interesting that we are now walking into a world where the saints play on the internet. Huh? But there's this reality that he was a, a, normal, a, normal, a normal child, a normal young man uh, growing up in Italy. But he was also a bit unusual in that he had a great and deep love For Jesus Christ. Sad that that's unusual. Carlo, from a young age, had a natural propensity for faith. He didn't come from a family of faith, however, interestingly. His mother recounts today how before Carlo, before him receiving First Communion, she had been to Mass in her entire life three times. Once for her First Communion, 
once for her confirmation, once for her wedding. That was the extent of the faith of the family in which he grew up. It's not as if he grew up in a devout family and it just kind of took. This child was naturally blessed by God in a unique way. And as as a young one, would often be found in his room praying the rosary quietly. Again, this was not a family devotional. It was something that he had picked up, that he had learned, and that he loved. When he received First Holy Communion, he was lit on fire with love for Jesus in the Eucharist. And he started going to daily Mass at seven years of age and bringing his parents with him. Usually it's the other way around. The parents bring the kids. Carlo brought his parents, much to the priest's amazement. He would also bring other people. He would bring his friends, any other family members that would be willing to go with him to daily Mass. And they were often met with the fact that he didn't just go to daily Mass. He usually spent extra time in prayer. He would arrive early or he would stay late, often making an hour to listen to the voice of Jesus, to love Jesus in the Eucharist, to spend time with him. A child of seven years of age, already manifesting this immense faith. That faith wasn't just only in the church. As the professors at the seminary used to remind us frequently, holiness is what happens when you leave the chapel and put your faith into action. And Carlo knew that as well. He took his faith and he took his, his knowing, his experience of Jesus Christ and brought it into the world. At school, when he would see people being bullied, he would intentionally step into place and make friends with them. Someone who might be an outcast for any reason, he would be the one first to reach out to them and to spend time with them, to love them and to care for them, to share with them the love of Jesus. It was a simple reality that, again, his life was touched by Christ. And everywhere he went, he sought to spread the gospel. Again, he loved the Internet as well. He also loved his PlayStation, but that's a different story. But he loved the Internet deeply and was fascinated with computer programming and website designing and all these sorts of things as a young man. And as, as a youth sought to spread the good news of the gospel on the Internet well ahead of his time, he had dedicated and designed a whole website to talk about Eucharistic miracles, to talk about the Eucharist and the gift, giving quotes from the lives of the saints and encouraging people to turn to the Eucharist and all their needs. This is what he used his gifts for in so many ways. And when he was diagnosed with leukemia and entered into the sufferings and ultimately culminating in his death, he offered knowingly all of his sufferings for the Pope and for the church that God would bless us. Offered his life, died at 15 years of age, 15 years of age, and yesterday was made blessed, Carlo Acutis. We look forward one day, we pray, to Saint Carlo. The thing that Carlo knew, the thing that compelled him to go to church daily, to stay at church for a while before or after, to bring others with him, to be able to speak about Jesus, to live the love of Jesus. All of this is because he knew the joy of the feast. He knew the joy of the feast. 
And that's what we hear about today. The joy of the feast. In the gospel, we hear another parable from our blessed Lord speaking again to the leaders of the community. A carryover from last week's conversation, just continuing on. He talks about this. He gives us this strange parable. A king who prepares a wedding feast for his son. The king, of course, the father, the son, you know, Jesus is the son for whom the wedding feast is being prepared. The people who are invited are the Jewish people initially, and then anybody and everybody, the good and the bad alike, i.e. us. And we're all called to be gathered into the great hall for this feast. Initially, when the invitation is made, there are some who reject it. They're busy about their work. They've got things to do. They have stuff. Or more simply, they just ignore the call entirely without even making a reason of excuse. They just simply won't go. They won't enter into the joy of the feast. They don't have time for it for whatever reason. Then you have a large number of those who do respond on that second round Once the people are invited to say, once the the servants are sent out to invite anybody and everybody you find, it is then that they come in large numbers to fill the hall, ordinary people, the Gentiles and presumably some Jews still as well. And they come and fill the house. But interestingly, there's one individual who comes in not wearing a wedding garment. Now, when we think of wedding garment... Sometimes we can think of a, a larger garment, you know, uh, a wedding garment. You get a, you get a nice dress. You get a, you get a suit, right? These are wedding garments, you know, in, in, in our common thought. But the reality is that, that uh, oftentimes it was a case that whenever somebody went to a wedding, there was a common garment that would be given. It was a, oftentimes a little scarf, uh, a, little, a little sash or something you could wear around your neck. Uh, kind of a thing to be able to mark you that you belong here. That's essentially kind of like having a little badge when you go to a conference and it has the badge name or the conference name on it. You're part of this convention. You're part of this conference. And this is the reality is, is when one would go to a wedding feast, the person who was holding the feast would give to everyone who came one of these scarves, a personalized, individualized scarf to say, I belong here. I'm part of the community. I'm part of the family, right? Whenever we go to a wedding, usually you sit on the side that you're connected to. Oftentimes the case, I'm with the groom, I'll sit over here. I'm with the bride, I'll sit over here. Whether friends or family, you're connected in some way to that individual and you are part of the community. But we have this individual who comes in without a wedding garment and he should have had one if he was connected to the community. If he was part of the family, if he was in union with the bride or with the groom, but he's not. It seems a strange thing sometimes how Jesus speaks in ways that can surprise us for nice, merciful Jesus. Right. The people who initially who initially um, reject, reject the invitation. The king says he went and they killed them all and burned their towns. Whoa, Jesus. Seems a little excessive for somebody not answering your invite. But it shows us the seriousness of the event. The seriousness of the invite. And also the individual who is in the, who is in the, the, the feast, but not with the wedding garment on. 
He is bound hand and foot like a prisoner and cast out into the darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Again, that seems a bit excessive. You could have just said, you got to go. But no, they bind him hand and foot. What madness is this? And what Jesus is simply pointing out is that the individual who is there without the wedding garment, they're already bound hand and foot anyway in spirit. He's manifesting it in the flesh. And this is the reality. As the person who has come into the wedding feast without the wedding garment is someone who has come in. And essentially, they are there not for the friendship. They are not part of the family. They're not connected to the bride, nor are they connected to the groom. They are simply there to take for themselves. They're a wedding crasher, just there to eat the food. They want the fruits without the friendship. And this is why they are bound. It's because they are already so caught up in themselves, they can't be connected to others. They are caught up and bound in their own selfishness, own self-centeredness, their sin. Jesus highlights these things as a way of simply pointing out the fact that they are already prisoners of themselves because they are not friends of the bridegroom. The prophet Isaiah speaks today as well about a similar feast. The reality is that the first feast the one in the gospel is essentially looking towards us here and now and pointing towards the direction of the heavenly feast. The heavenly feast is what Isaiah speaks of here on this mountain. The Lord will do these things, right? Remember, when you think mountain, think God, because in, in the ancient mind, God is up in the heavens. So if you want to talk to God, you got to climb a mountain. He's up there. Go find him. Anytime, you, anytime somebody climbs a mountain in Scripture, it's a connection with God, an experience of God. And that's always, as I said, why we have steps to get in the sanctuary and things. Right? Coming to encounter God, walking up to meet him. And so it's on this mountain, this experience of God that the people have. And it is an enjoyable feast. Choice food, choice drinks, the best of the best. There's no suffering. The veil that veils all people, the veil that is death, is cast away. There is no more death. There is no more tears. There is no more suffering. There is no more sickness. There is no more wanting left in the human heart. There is only total fulfillment of the soul for all eternity. Joy. And that's what the Lord God will one day give to those who desire to enter into the wedding feast and are willing to wear the garments to be willing to be friends of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. The invitation for us today is to ensure that we are indeed friends with Jesus. He is so many things. He is Lord, he is Master, he is Christ, he is Savior. He is so many things. But among all of those things, for each of us, he must also be friend. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not something just for our Protestant brothers and sisters. It ought first and foremost to be ours because we have him here with us. We can say exactly the words spoken in Isaiah the prophet today. Behold the God who comes to save us. Behold, look, it is him who saves us. And when do we say that? When can we say that? Every time we celebrate Mass and see the Eucharist. 
Behold, right? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the one who comes to save us. Let us rejoice because he has saved us. An invitation to friendship with God. This is what the Lord invites us to today. This is the invitation he extends, just as he extended the one in the gospel. How will we respond? Are we too busy? Are we concerned about too many other things? Or will we respond to the feast? Will we allow ourselves, just as Carlo did, to come to Mass? To spend time in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament? To learn the life of Christ by experiencing the life of Christ? And then going to share that life with others? To carry out the good news and tell others about the invitation that they've also received if they would open their mail? It's waiting for them. He is waiting for them. He's waiting for us. Every single Mass, we have the opportunity to enter into a small foretaste of the heavenly feast. It may not seem like it always, but this place, this moment, is an encounter with heaven itself. We can't see it, but the church is full, bursting with the angels and saints invisibly present to us in this moment. And they're celebrating with us. They too are able to say, behold, the one who has saved us. And they can say it even more firmly than we can because they've been saved definitively. And we're still working out our salvation. We are still walking with Jesus along the road of this life. We're still trying to draw closer to him in friendship. So let us draw near to recognize in the Eucharist no sign, no symbol, a reality, a person, Jesus, the bridegroom, our friend.